Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the Camera Podcast, pubs, pints, and people. Hello and welcome to the Camera Podcast, Pubs, Pints, People. This is where we help share all the quirky and interesting aspects of the beer, cider and pub world with our listeners. If you're joining us for the first time, I mean, where have you been? My name is Ant Fiorillo and I'm joined by my co-hosts Katie Wiles and Matt Bondi. Hello both. Hello. Hello. Now, just a few weeks ago, we were looking at how women have been really pushing the beer industry to become a lot more welcoming and inclusive after decades of marketing itself as a bloke's world. And today, we're going to be looking at other ways that the industry is trying to make itself a bit more inclusive to people of all different backgrounds. So looking at it a bit more widely. That's right. Well, diversity isn't just about a gender divide. You know, it encompasses sexual orientation, religious, personal beliefs, disabilities, visible and hidden, allergies and intolerances, as well as how someone identifies by way of gender. And it's actually quite amazing that there isn't more attention on this. We were able to find lots of stats about female drinkers in the other episode being 20% of the market and about the barriers facing women in the industry. But when you try to look at this a bit more holistically, there's not a lot of information and statistics out there about what it looks like within other sectors of the community. I don't know, maybe it's the unconscious bias, but I'll tell you one thing. There's one area where the Americans and Canadians seem to be doing this well. People like Ren Navarro in Canada has been forcing people to confront the question why craft beer is so white and the brewers association in the u.s conducted an industry-wide survey last year to see if breweries were stereotypical as they seem and that showed that most brewery employees are white male i really remember sitting on a panel debate at the manchester beer and cider festival a few years ago and we were all talking about women in beer and somebody actually just stood up in the audience and was like look around the room guys there's not a single person of color in this room so why is this a panel about diversity talking about nothing else besides you know women in beer so i think there's definitely something to be said around that no it's a really good point i mean there's so many different aspects of diversity that need to be addressed and i don't think we're going to be able to touch upon all of them in this one podcast Uh, but we want to move the conversation along a little bit and highlight people who are trying to make the beer world more inclusive so in our interview today we've got two people who are doing just that to be honest at the end of the day it really is a melting pot that's recently started to deliver some amazing initiatives not to mention fantastic beers Definitely. As this very strange year that that has been 2020 continues to push on, there are leaders in beer diversity and they're sharing Mm. a general sense of this cautious optimism. And maybe in this lockdown phase that we're in, as that starts to ease, maybe that optimism is going to grow and hopefully there'll be a better representation and more equality both in our breweries 
and in our pubs. Definitely. I mean, there are microbreweries and small pubs and tap rooms springing up. Not now. <laughs> Not right now. <laughs> Not right now. Maybe wait a little bit so we're back from lockdown. But um, you know, I guess it's down to these new businesses that are setting up. I guess not to settle just for setting up shop in a community, but bringing a sense of the diverse community around them into what they do. Beer is a product of the environment around it. So every time we open anything in this industry, it should be that same sense of drawing on every diverse person around from the community to come together and make a great product and enjoy it. I think there's a lot of focus on pubs as a heart of communities, rightly so, but it's amazing how many breweries are taking on that role as well. And we're going to be having a chat in a bit with Ignition Brewery and they are a not-for-profit microbrewery in Sydenham and they actively employ people with learning difficulties. And what's really unique about them is that they're not only a high street brewery, but they also act as a community space. When they're not brewing, they use that space to have mummy and baby groups or yoga sessions and things like that to really bring the community in. And that really makes them a real hub in a way that breweries weren't traditionally considered. And it's brilliant. Can you imagine doing yoga in a brewery? Why the <laughs> devil not? <laughs> I keep hearing about beer yoga. I need to get involved. I can't wait to hear from them and we'll also be chatting with emma inch who's not only a fellow podcaster having set up fermentation radio but she's also an award-winning beer communicator who does loads of work in this area of promoting diversity so lots to discuss on this episode we hope that you enjoy our interviews for you so without further ado let's hear about diversity and inclusion from the experts themselves now our colleague alex metcalf our alex he's cameras learning discover manager is speaking to nick o'shea first about setting up a Ignition Brewery, which Katie's mentioned, when he was able to visit the site pre-lockdown. So, over to Alex. Learn and discover. Sitting down with Nick O'Shea from Ignition Brewery. Nick, can you tell us a bit about how Ignition started? Hi Alex, yeah, started about five years ago. I volunteer at a club called Tuesday Club, which is a disco for people, about 200 people with learning disabilities. And the basic problem is, is not a lot of people have a job, and if they do, they're quite boring jobs. So five years ago, I decided to say, okay, well, let's actually set up a brewery because these are jobs which is quite labor intensive, it's quite repetitive, so that suits people who, who need a routine, but also it's quite cool. So rather than saying, you're gonna go and push that trolley around that car park for me, which is, you know, that's fine. But this is about saying actually you could be a brewer and that's that's really fun. Way more fulfilling. Way more fulfilling, exactly. And so none of us had any brewing experience or had been to a brewery or any of that. So we just set off on this journey really to to see if we could do it. And five years down the line, we're here. Can you tell us a bit about your crowdfunding campaign and how you tapped into the local community? So crowdfunding is really good. It was just come for two years ago. The brewery was doing well. So a lot of business to business selling. So you're putting beer into the back of cars and you're driving it to businesses, fine. What we wanted to do was close our supply chain. So we make the beer and then we sell it. So we get the end result, RRP is what we really wanted. So we decided to open a bar in the front room downstairs, uh, which is a large white room with windows onto the high street. So it really lent itself to being a bar, but we didn't have any money. So we decided to go for a crowdfunder and we tried to raise 20,000 pounds. And so there was a lot of at that initial point is ringing your friends up and saying, if you were ever going to give something in our lives, in our friendship together, this is when you're going to Now's the time. Now's the time. And so we ordered that. And then it sort of built a momentum and in the end, we had 300 people who gave money to us, and we didn't know the majority of them really. We didn't know about wow, 80%. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, and a very, and incredibly thankful to everyone who who gave. And some people just literally made donations. Other people gave to get a T-shirt or to get some beer. Great, thank you to everybody. And what was fantastic was we sort of then had you know 300 people that we didn't know, 
and that was that was really lovely in terms of people just reaching out to us so my big piece of advice with crowdfunding is if people are going to donate get them in early because it gets the momentum going and that gets it up the up the screen and then taking these just check it once a day and not on Sundays just don't it can just turn into a thing just don't let it turn into a thing just maintain your control and I guess you are building a community through crowdfunding yeah so it's very much a community bar so you know you you've got to have a reason to come to our bar because it's a bit different from everywhere else so you know we don't have roaring fires and rugs and everything it's benches and it's you know the cool benches but it's sort of um quite belgian style that's how i had to what we offer is a staff team that will know you they'll probably remember your name sydenham is very much a local area you know people go out locally in sydenham people don't go to sydenham for a destination so much so it's it's building that community and say yeah come on in you might do yoga here you might do pilates here on other days but when we're here for this bar you'll always have a warm welcome from us there seems to be a kind of moral revolution happening in the beer industry with an increased focus on on promoting diversity and inclusivity can you tell us a bit about your program here so having had no brewing experience or anything i would say we've been made very welcome by everybody actually within the beer community and people like Wild Beer have done collaborations with us. They organised for us to do a collaboration with Gypsy Hill Brewery, which is great. And people have really been so kind. So the LBA, the Brewers Association, had their AGM at our tap room last year, which was fantastic. And people were, it was packed. People were so supportive and so kind. And I think it's because beer is a sociable thing and it's about camaraderie and collegiateness and fraternity and friendship. And actually, that then lends itself very well to saying, well, who are we including in that and how are we doing it? So um, I think it's fantastic to see breweries which are popping up, which are maybe focusing on mental health or uh, prisoners, you know, ex-prisoners, ex-offenders. And I think also the beer industry is massive enough that actually it can also sustain a kind of diverse range of things. So you can have a social brewery here and and a local brewery there and a commercial brewery there, but actually it's such a big stage. There's, there's room for everybody. How do you actively recruit people who have a learning disability to give them an opportunity here at Ignition? So we are very lucky in that we've got a very strong team um, and most of them have been with us for a good couple of years now and in any business for it to be successful you want to hold on to your best assets which are your, your good stuff. people. Exactly. But how we recruit has been through a Tuesday club, so the Disco for People with Learning Disabilities and really it's just saying do you have an aptitude for this? So the only way to do that is to not say give me a CV, give me a written application, forget it because they're not going to be writing too much in this job it's to get people in and say right you know with with some backup and support we'll show you what to do step by step do you have a natural aptitude for this some people do some people don't but it's far quicker than actually just and I wish I could do it in my day job actually in terms of recruitment is just getting people in and going yes or no is this for you or not we've worked with some sort of organizations that do recruitment specializing in this area which is great you know and (laughs) by the fifth person you're like no we really do need someone that can lift a keg you know, we really, we really do. And so I suppose it's, it's things like that. It's the practicalities of, you know, actually, can they do benches? Can they, are they okay with hot water? You know, these are the kind of things. And I just think you only learn that through being on the job. What other initiatives would you like to see from the brewing industry to make it more inclusive and diverse? I mean, I think the industry is doing well at the moment. It seems to be slightly up and down, but overall it's, it's up. And I think it probably is just about how do you help people to get a career? So whoever they are. How do they go from having a job to a career? And how do we train people and help them to get the skills they need to then progress on? And can we do that? I think it's increasingly, brewing is becoming much more related to retail now. So there's a lot more kind of 
you know, how do you sell, you know, how do you sell what you're making? We can all make it. How do you sell it? There's a lot more diversity in, of roles, isn't there? That's right. Than you would imagine. It's not just working in a brewery and making beer as well. There's a lot of other roles, isn't there? Exactly. And, and, and people, you know, if you want a diverse customer base, you probably need to have quite a diverse sales team. So how is it that you can get those people to, to have those careers? And I think it's really tough now for people who are, you know, in their 20s in particular to get a sense of some sort of trajectory that they're going to be on. Um, so that would be really my, my focus. You also have a tap room here and your website says that you host events like Zumba and Yoga Evenings. Yes, yeah, so part of the agreement for us to be able to use this space as a community centre is that we, so we use it three days a week in the, in the evenings predominantly, is that then the rest of the time it has to be fully open access to the rest of the community. So, and those people were here first before our bar was. So very grateful to them actually for taking a chance on us. Um, so yeah, during the week it's used for Pilates, yoga, Zumba, children's theatre, children's dance, all sorts of people are in here. And then our bar pops up on a Thursday night and then we, we pop down and then Friday night pop back up. And it's this sort of real sense of an ever-changing space that's what well, is what a community centre should be actually is, is for different things and different offers all the time. So leading on from uh, talking about the expanded offer of, uh, of, the, of the tap room and the way it functions a, a broader part of the local community, usually people think of pubs as the hub or sort of heart of a community. Uh, you've proven that brewery has just an important role here. Do you think breweries could be looking at how they encourage community participation and involvement? Yeah, I mean, I, I think a lot of breweries do. Our friends I speak to live across the country are saying, oh gosh, you know, breweries had this amazing open weekend and there was this and there was a barbecue and there was a band and we went and everybody knew each other. It was great. And I think you can do that in two ways. You can either do that sort of sporadically. So you have, you know, four events a year, which is great. Or you can do what we're doing, I suppose, which is to be there every week. I think we're quite unusual in that we are effectively a high street brewery. You know, we're on a high street, but it has made a real impact. And I think people feel that they can come in if they're on their own. I mean, I'm really pleased when we get young women who come in on their own and feel confident, sit at the bar, and they know they're not going to be harassed and they're going to have a nice time. And they can read their magazine or wait for their friend or whatever it is. And that's my sort of barometer. So it's their space too. Yeah. And, and do people come in and, and sort of, you know, you randomly introduce people at the bar and it turns out they're neighbours and... And I think breweries can have a really good part of that because actually what you can always end up doing if you run out of things to talk about is talk about the brewery. And that's quite handy. <laughs> <laughs> it's being essentially a shop front, uh, high street brewery. Do you think that has uh, helped people have ownership over for, for people who visit the, the brewery in the tap? to come and drink here is that increase their own sense of ownership over the, the brewery i think so and I, th I think it's worked in conjunction with having the other things on during the week so i think if we were here seven days a week that would actually be a much trickier ask whereas i think because on a monday it's yoga tuesday it's zumba wednesday it's something else thursday's us you know um i think you think oh gosh okay what's what's on today so i think that's how it's worked and because a lot of high streets now it's tough trading for everybody we all know it's hard and so you have to have a variety of offers and you have to i think pick when your best time is to open. So yoga, not popular on a Friday night. Beer, yes. Monday night is the reverse. So it's that ability <laughs> to kind of merge and mold. Learn and discover. I really like what Nick says in this interview about how beer is a drink that is all about camaraderie and community. So it makes sense that it's a real jumping off point for people to identify those who might be excluded in the industry and how to help get them back involved and really use beer as that piece to bring people together. I totally agree. And he makes a really good point that if you want a diverse customer base, you need a diverse sales team. 
Absolutely. And do you know what? Listen, it's no secret that the pubs are a haven for everyone. There can be a real lifeline for these local groups and those that are combating loneliness to come together. And I think it's really great to hear about the new breweries taking the ethos into their tap room and delivering a similar experience for their customers. Uh, completely hats off to them. Now, before we move on to our next interview, it's time for this week's recipe with our resident chef, Sue Novak. And she's introducing, well, I guess a diverse beer style mm. this week, fittingly. Ooh. Uh, she's got a raspberry beer. It's a lamb chop recipe cut with raspberry beer. Right, okay. Lamb chop with raspberry beer. Here we go, then. This is what she's told us for this one. When we talk about beers having a fruity note, we generally mean it's one element in the overall flavour, such as citrus or a hint of banana in a Bavarian vice. However, a beer made with fruit is totally different in proposition and, to my palate, far superior to a fruit wine. Where the wine is generally too sweet and often syrupy, beer with hops in its armoury can balance the sweetness of the fruit and achieve quite a dry sophisticated character that goes with main courses and desserts alike. I'm salivating it. <laughs> I am too. <laughs> I mean two of my favourites are raspberry and cherry and both are natural partners for lamb which has a sweetness of its own. The raspberry is lighter and more summery while cherry beer is altogether darker and heavier in tone. Wow. <laughs> She's actually making me want to drink a fruit beer, which, yeah, usually isn't very high up in my list, I have to admit. <laughs> I need to move Sue in after lockdown. I think that's what I need to do and just, <laughs> and just get her to fill my freezer with all these delights. I know. I, I feel like all the fruit beers, though, are sour. I've not really seen any like non-soured fruit beers recently. And actually, funnily enough, when we speak to Homebrew Teak in a future episode, which I think is next week, actually, mm. they talk a lot about their sour beers. So tune in for that and perhaps mm. we'll find out exactly why. Now, don't forget, you can find this and all of Sue's recipes in the episode show notes. And all of them are also available on Camera's What's Brewing digital platform. That's wb.camera.org.uk. And while we're talking about diversity, it's worth mentioning that camera members who have full access to What's Brewing newspaper and beer magazine can also get audio files for every issue on the website. So we've been recording audio versions for the visually impaired members for decades, really. They used to go out via tapes in the post, but now they're actually conveniently located on your PC. So if you just go to the website and... And click on to the top right hand side there is this audio versions of what's brewing and beer and you can listen to them that way and actually you can even just have one on if you partial to an audio book and then you can just have the whole thing narrated to you mm. even better camera also introduced a new search tool on its popular what pub database where you can find all of the pubs currently offering delivery and takeaway services now that's alongside the brew to you app and if you do visit whatpub.com You've got access to, what, 56,000 pubs across mm. the country, and you can search for pubs that offer disabled access with a filter on the sidebars. So it's one to bear in mind again when the lockdown lifts and we're all allowed back into the locals. See <laughs> soon. Come on. You know, it's like going to be 27 degrees tomorrow and I'm oh, no. locked down. Next, Katie's going to be sitting down with beer communicator and diversity champion Emma Inch. Going to hear her thoughts on diversity within the industry. Over to you, Katie. Desert Island Beer. Thank you for joining us, Emma. Oh, you're very welcome. It's nice to speak to somebody. We wanted to have a chat with you about beer diversity, and you wrote an excellent piece in the 2020 edition of Camera's Good Beer Guide, where you talked about the beer scene becoming as diverse as a drink that we all adore and love, and mm -hmm. how rather than detracting from the usual, only serves to strengthen the industry, which I thought was a really poignant point of view. I wanted to get your views on what some of the major changes have been that you've seen over recent years. I mean, I suppose that point bears repeating, I think. Any kind of diversity, particularly in the workplace or in an industry, only enhances what you've already got. The more voices you can have, the more 
different voices you can have from all across the spectrum people from all genders all sexualities all abilities just really enhances what you hear and what ideas come up and what comes to the table it's something to be absolutely championed and i suppose over the over the years god i mean there have been changes in all parts of life and i think often beer simply reflects what goes on in the rest of life beer and pubs they sort of distill it a little but they're just the same as what else is happening in the world and yes there have been some changes in terms of some groups gaining more acceptance and some groups gaining more of a of a voice and probably there's still a way to go with others we were looking at women in beer a few episodes back and it we saw some of the sexist advertising from the early noughties but at the back of my mind i was thinking this is so reflective of what's going on outside of the beer industry as well. That sexist advertising, yes, it's faded, but it hasn't entirely gone away, has it? I mean, I know you mentioned on that episode GBBF, which was fantastic and made such a firm statement about, you know, we're not accepting beers with offensive pump clips or offensive names. And that garnered quite a lot of publicity in the mainstream press. But there was a pushback against that, wasn't there? I mean, Melissa Cole went on one of the breakfast programmes and I know there was things written online as well. And, and there was a big pushback. Why is this important? you're stopping good beer getting in places people don't mind those kind of phrases this idea you know if you were a real woman you wouldn't mind that there was that you'd just laugh it off maybe you shouldn't go to pubs then uh, you know that kind of stuff it's still there not so much i don't think from within the industry anymore but from wider you know more mainstream there are certainly a lot of other areas around diversity that we're not doing so well at. Yeah, I think you're right. Some women in beer have gained a voice and I think that voice is really important. And what I'm interested in is that sort of intersection of where different identities meet up so often when we think of women in beer we often think of women who are young you know younger maybe women who live in urban areas maybe mostly women who are white who are often child free there's sort of a, a certain group that we might sometimes think of that's what we think of women in beer and that's quite an acceptable face of women in beer when we start to think of other intersections around that about how how welcoming is beer to people who aren't white how welcoming is it to people who aren't able-bodied how um, easy is it to access if you have children you know how much do we talk about that in the industry you know how easy is it to access if you have disabilities plus how easy is it to access if you're queer so there's all those sort of different layers we can't just say oh women in beer is done now although can you tell us a bit about the work that you're doing at the moment one of the things that are difficult when you are a, a woman in beer is that you tend to get asked quite a lot about being a woman in beer and in some ways i think that's really helpful in other ways i think sometimes it, you know it can sort of reduce the work that women do to discussions around their gender rather than their expertise like i'd rather talk to a female brewer about her brewing than about how it feels to be a female brewer so when i do audio i made a commitment that i would always have more than one woman's voice on my podcast fermentation beer and brewing radio we don't sit and talk about being a woman we talk about whatever we're talking about whether that's food or brewing or selling beer whatever it is what do you think the future holds for the world of beer well, I was about to say I feel quite positive in the middle of a global pandemic, the industry is absolutely on its knees. So in terms of generally, I don't know. And like everybody else, hoping and praying that this gets resolved and we have safety to go out and enjoy beer. Doing my best to support breweries in any way I can by ordering from them or talking about them, tweeting about them. In terms of diversity, I feel quite positive about the industry i think yes there's parts of it where there's still resistance yes we've still got this issue of beer is kind of clouded with this male image but 
people are talking about it and people are wanting to do stuff and people are looking at other diversities as well and, and the number of people wanting to be a part of that is fantastic. You know, I have hope that the industry is looking at itself and also using this terrible time as a period of reflection as well and been sort of looking at research about how we're all going to come out of this in terms of consumers. There's a lot being said of we will remember how different businesses behaved during this time. Those that play their ethics and values positively on their sleeve during this difficult time where we're all paying you know sort of hyper vigilant about what's going on i think we'll succeed and you and there is a lot of people thinking how they can treat their staff better how we can go back to a different normal of treating people better making places more open and welcoming and pursuing this inclusivity and and recognizing diversity and recognizing how positive that is those of us who do have a voice need to keep talking about those other groups not just talking about but you know looking at what we are doing preventing some groups from accessing the industry you know how am i behaving that will somehow preventing people or causing some sort of barrier because there's something there that means that certain groups haven't accessed the industry in the same way others have and i think yeah we need to look at that in terms of our pub culture our beer culture in terms of all of that is there anything that you recognize off the top of your head as a obvious barrier to other groups that we might not even think about i can speak from my experience in terms of being quite a visible lesbian so I present as a butch lesbian. And I suppose when you're a visible minority, I recognise how that can feel sometimes walking in places, the anticipation of rejection, the reality of abuse sometimes. So I suppose I have a very tiny experience of that that I can maybe think, right, how can we welcome people? And I suppose one of the things that made me really feel welcome at GBBF this year was from the moment that I arrived, the person who was checking my bag and the person who was taking my ticket and all that kind of thing, all had rainbow lanyards on, all had stonewall lanyards. And when I walked into the venue, I saw rainbow flags. I even saw a trans pride flag. Those kind of messages are really strong. Immediately, I felt safer there. And although I knew that abuse or being overlooked or criticised was still a possibility, it felt that, well, if that happens, it feels like this venue and this event will protect me, they will support me. And I think it's looking at things like that, I suppose, how we can visibly make the industry welcoming and open, and whether that's in terms of, you know, putting up signs and symbols that show our acceptance, whether it's thinking about the venues that we do things in, whether that's thinking about the language that we use, whether it's thinking about how we advertise stuff and who we advertise to, and who we have in mind when we're talking about a beer drinker, who I have in mind when I'm writing something about how good a beer is. And as I said at the beginning, the more different types of people you can get involved, the better it is for all of us. Not just doing something in order to tow some kind of line. Expectations around diversity, it's around all of us benefiting and the world being a better place for us. Desert Island Beer. Great interview, Katie. Absolutely wonderful. I mean, it's really great to hear Emma's perspective on this subject as an active member of the LGBTQ plus community. Genuinely warmed my heart to hear how impactful those rainbow line yards were at last year's GBBF, just to know that if a negative encounter did unfortunately take place, that it was implicit that the staff there would be on hand to support it. I mean, it almost reminds me of some of the initiatives that the retail sector takes generally, you know, the sunflower lanyards and a lot of retail outlets now, where people who have a hidden disability or consider themselves to have a hidden disability can wear that and door teams and retail teams can 
identify with that customer and you know maybe just give them a bit more help i've seen it in airports work really well as well actually where people who might be a little bit overwhelmed about the whole checking in experience and walking through a busy airport to have that support and it's just something as subtle as a lanyard it's something you kind of take for granted if you're not part of that community and it's similar to what we were talking about with GBVF, the staff there would obviously still help somebody from that community if they had an uncomfortable encounter. But just putting that out there on the lanyard is just that one little step further. And I think mm. that makes a huge difference and is a really important way for the industry to signal to others about it being inclusive and welcoming in others and being really proud of being like that. So before we close the show, we're going to be diving into the archive this week and looking at an event that really opened pubs up to the rest of society. Now, what could it mm. be? I hear you ask. <laughs> I am talking, of course, about the smoking ban, <coughs> which came... <laughs> Came into play, which came into place on the 1st of July 2007. I remember this. Do you remember this, Pat? I remember it very well. And it made a big difference to me because I've got pretty bad asthma. So in one stroke, it made pubs really much more welcoming for people like me, as well as you know, every families, children, just non-smokers, and mm. and it really helped pubs introduce food as well, didn't it? Like never yeah, before. I remember yeah. I, that's something I quite kind of associate with it is that introduction into food offerings in pubs. After that, I mean, I was actually overseas at the time. I was over in Spain for a season of work, and that kind of it lagged a little bit from the UK. People were coming abroad and still being able to light up in doors even though it had been banned back at home it made such a difference we've actually got the july and august 2007 what's brewing editions in front of us to have a look at what the industry was saying about this when it happened it kicks off with a quote about how the pubs industry was poised to welcome the so-called invisible queue of people who claim that they don't frequent pubs because they're too smoky it's a little bit tongue-in-cheek yeah. uh, <laughs> but it, it did later prove to be that there was an invisible queue as we we're talking about it can only imagine that it was a real two-sided argument wasn't it? i think there'd be those that were going oh you can't you just just won't work and others going oh well let's see what happens and actually at the time camera commissioned a study which showed that nine out of ten real ale drinkers would be more likely to visit a pub or that you know, nothing changed for them just because mm. they couldn't smoke anymore i'll tell you what i really love though is how these issues highlight how some breweries were taking it the other way they were helping smokers through this difficult time kind of nervous that maybe they were going to lose <laughs> some income from this so one i think maybe slightly misguided attempt at this uh, was <laughs> nottingham brewery who had uh, had made a new special brew that was called fagash ale oh, <laughs> a lovely flavor i feel oh. like everyone's had some fagash ale as a teenager yeah i mean another commemorative brew featured here is westerland brewery they created holy smoke 4.2 percent mighty had and this was infused with a little puff of Wayam and smoked malts <laughs> to give it a hint of smokiness. Mmm! <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that one doesn't sound as unappealing, but yeah, I think there's a time and a place for a commemorative brew, and I'm not sure the smoking pen was the, the <laughs> best hook for it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. For pun fans, this was a real treat, though, the uh, the smoking bag coming in. So the August <laughs> edition reports that Stoke-on-Trent was called, wait for it, Smoke on Trent. Oh. There it is. <laughs> In adversity, comedy smiles. Um, so, and that was for, because they were failing to adhere to the ban, though. So, uh, the local council didn't introduce any enforcement. So smokers up in Stoke-on-Trent, at least, got an extra month of pub smoking until the 1st of August. 
Well, I hope they enjoyed the extra month in smoke on Trent. Well, listen, I think it's clear that today the humble boozer really can be for everyone. And it just takes someone to make those first steps and walk in and order something from the bar. That's when you start to see the footfall. That's when you start to see the change. Last orders. All right, last orders, guys. What have you two been drinking this week? Lots. <laughs> no, uh, I, oh my, I mean, okay, yeah. So I think my lockdown beer this week has to be something that, yeah, I suppose you could say it takes to diversity box because it's made with lots of American and Australian hops. And mm. I am talking about a very delicious pale ale uh, brewed by Marston's and it's 61 deep. And that is my beer of the week. It has really gone down nicely this week for me. <laughs> How about yourself, Matt? Well, I'm drinking some Mad Goose, uh, which is from Purity Brewing. Done the interview that we're going to have Purity Brewing on the podcast in a few weeks. So I got in early and had some lovely Mad Goose. Lovely. Very nice. How about you, Katie? What's been in the glass this week? Well, I was a bit inspired from Sue Nowak's piece last week about Fuller's, and I didn't have any vintage ale, but I did have some of their 1845, which is a really, really nice kind of malty beer. So I've been <laughs> I'm drinking those, although I think I'm going to have to find something a bit lighter for the next few days. It's going to be lovely and sunny. Definitely. I'm feeling citrusy hops. I'm feeling mm. that kind of vibe. Some mosaic, maybe a real, a real thirst quenching beer so listen don't whatever it is you're drinking we do hope you enjoy it and don't forget to join us next week as we learn all about home brewing and how Ooh. that has absolutely boomed in lockdown and mm. we sit down with claire russell from home Boutique and andy parker the home brewer and owner of elusive brewery well i'll tell you what i'll end this week with my traditional quotes i've gone for a german proverb and <laughs> the quote for this week is it takes beer to make thirst worthwhile doesn't it just? <laughs> Certainly does. And with that, we cheer you all. Cheers! Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 
How does a free case of beer sound? Yes, you can grab a case for free courtesy of our pals at Beer 52 by going to www.beer52.com forward slash people. That's the numbers 52 in the 52 and covering the meagre postage cost of £5.95. And what's more, as a special offer for our listeners, they'll throw in two extra beers for free. So that's 10 unique craft beers. Beer 52 is actually the biggest beer club in the world. Each month, they send their members a case of beer from a different part of the world, and this month it's an absolute belter. Their great European road trip case takes in the best beers from across the continent. So try a crisp, refreshing Pilsner from Norway's Lervig Brewery and a monster 7.5 double IPA from Sweden's Durges Brewery. On the dark side this month, there's a smooth stout from Copenhagen's Tool. There's also beer from Croatia, Poland, Germany, Serbia and Austria, among others. And if dark beer's not your thing, you can choose the light-only case. Also included is the ever-insightful Ferment magazine and a couple of tasty snacks. And even if, after all that, you're still unsatisfied, you can simply pause or cancel at any time. So head over to www.beer52, that's the numbers 5 and 2, dot com forward slash people to claim your free case of 10 beers now.